There are two scriptures I want to read. Let's start from here. So open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 38. I want to share something with us which I titled The Simplicity of Divine Intervention. What did I call it? Alright, it's very important. The Simplicity of Divine Intervention. Let's read this and then another, then I'll explain what I'm saying. Isaiah 38 is a story of when Hezekiah was um, ill. The Bible says in verse 1, In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now, I am going to jump because of time, all right? But so let's just get him. It's, not, it's a very well-known portion of the scriptures. And he prays, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with the whole heart, and I have done what is good in thy sight. And Ezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Ezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. He said, I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city. Now please, quickly, because of time, like I said, from verse 9, the Bible says, a writing, like New Living Translation says, that after he recovered, Ezekiah wrote this poem. Alright? A writing of Ezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. Then he said all the things he said there. Please, I'm jumping. He said how the Lord had mercy on him, how he was about to die and all of that. The Bible now says in verse 21, passing a comment on how he got healed. He said, now Isaiah had said, please notice that, let him take a cake of figs, or New Living Translation said, let him make an ointment out of it and apply it to the boil that he may recover. Then Ezekiah had said, what is a sign that I should go up to the house of the Lord? Now, that was just telling us what happened in verse um, 8. That, that's, this verse 22 was explaining why the Lord gave him a sign in verse 8. Now, what I just want to bring out here is that this man was sick, and he was seriously sick. And the prophet said to him, set your house in order, for you will die and not recover from this illness. All right? Now, after he prayed... Isaiah reversed that word and said, God has shown mercy to you and the years have been added to your days. And then Isaiah now said to them, take a cake of figs and apply to the boy. Make medicine for him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Make a certain kind of cream. Make a certain kind of medical treatment. Apply it and he will recover. Bear that in mind. Okay? Quickly open to the book of Romans chapter 1. I want to explain something to us very briefly. From verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Notice verse 20. For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, its eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So they are without excuse. Please notice this. The eternal power, verse 20, and divine nature of God has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. 
That is, the things that are invisible, the traits of God are displayed in the creation that's around us. Now, those are the two scriptures I want to read. Now, what I want to explain, like I said, is the issue of the simplicity of divine manifestations. Now, let me just explain something. There are two ways I believe that God works. All right? Now, you can divide it further into different ways, but there are two, basically. Now, what we make as a mistake is when we think that God only works, and it's only when the one way works that we say it is, it is God. That is, God works in what we call the miraculous. Do you hear what I said? God works in such a manner sometimes that things just happen without any explanation. That's one way he works. The way we have been taught in Christianity, what we propagate is as if that's the only way that God works. But it's not so. There is a second way by which God works. Do you understand? In which you can follow what is happening. It's almost as if it makes sense. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what, that's what I'm talking about briefly today. What I call the, sim- the simplicity of divine intervention. Now, sometimes people think that it's not the power of God, like I was saying, unless it happens dramatically. So when we want to advertise programs, what we want is, you know, come for miracles. I said something when I was on, speaking on radio a few years ago on Cosmo FM. I said, God does not like working miracles. I said it like that so that people say, what did you say? You know, that kind of thing. Most preachers tell you that he's the God of the miraculous. I didn't say he does not do miracles. I said, that's not what he likes to do. Most of the times, his interventions are simple. They seem to make sense. And that's where people miss God. They don't know that they can give thanks for things that don't even appear mm, miraculous. One. Number two, when God is answering their prayers also, oftentimes they miss it because it's not happening miraculously. It makes sense. And then the next error that comes out of that is this. When people now want to teach the next generation, they forget to emphasize the divine nature manifested in the answers. They teach the common sense. You get my point? They teach the common sense. They make it seem as if this is how it works. And you see, I have looked, I, I, I studied science basically. I'm not one of those that just read things for the sake of reading. I tend to learn them when I'm learning. So I learned my physics very well. I did. And in fact, my, one of my best subjects, O-level days, in fact, not one, my best subject was mathematics. I loved mathematics because I understood it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So years later, I still read a lot about, you know, if you go to advanced level, physics and mathematics is one subject. It's not separate, all right? It's just the same. Advanced physics is pure mathematics, all right? Now, I remember then I read this, the book, A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, all right? Now, the problem is this. A lot of people who have studied physics, when you ask them, some of them have said this. Listen to what I want to say. I'm quoting them now. Some say they are not saying that there's no God. They're only saying that God had no choice in what happened. You hear what I said? So what they are saying is that it's not necessary that he exists. Because they are able to plot how an atom behaves and how it will behave in the larger, you know, um, way. Or when there's a small atom you're looking at or you're looking at the whole universe. They've come to have a lot of understanding. Because of that, they believe that, well, either there's no God or even if he's there. This does not concern him anymore. 
Are you getting my point? Because medical science oftentimes have been able to intervene and produce healing. People think that healing is just purely an art. If you learn it, you know how to execute it. And Bill Clinton, I told you that I was watching him on Larry King, and he explained that he believes that over the next um, maybe 100 years, people will not be dying anymore because, or at least not before the age of 100, that will have so advanced technologically that will be able to steal the progress of death and turn it around. And I looked and I laughed. I said, you're a lawyer. That's why you're talking that nonsense. I'm a doctor. You're talking rubbish. Because death is a spirit. Let me not even go into that. But why they make these mistakes is because they have been able to watch the progress or the progression of the work of God. Recently, I was reading one, uh, one, something by some physicists trying to explain that maybe God still had a hand in creation. Maybe. Maybe. Because quantum physics and all of that a point comes at this, and the earliest motions with the atom, when, it, when it, something splits, will it become matter or antimatter? That since that one is a 50-50 chance, which somebody has to decide that that's the only place maybe God had to work hand in the work. And she said, God, just a look there. Say, Chris, man, just gather. <laughs> As I got looking at it, say, mad people, fooling themselves. Just because you're able to click. Alright? And your computer responds. You said nobody made a computer. Is that not foolishness? Just because I know how Microsoft Word works. And that's that it did not need to be programmed. Listen, the earth is like that. The universe is like that. God wrote the program. We are now learning how the program runs. And we, say, we are saying that God is not necessary. And for information, assuming that you are a program, you know, you are running inside of my computer. Don't forget the switch. You can say, I know how this works. I know how everything works. My finger is on the switch. If I vex too much, what thing I go do? I press on. That's it. Both you that understand the program, you understand of it, we shut down. What God left for us to understand that he wrote the program, men have now rejected it. That is, they rejected to give him thanks. And they are saying that because they know how it works, God is not important. I'm talking about the simplicity of divine intervention. Actually, most times, the things of God seem to make sense. That is why the Bible says that he hides or he has hidden sound wisdom for the upright. We read that in Proverbs chapter 2. You know what wisdom is? It is that there is knowledge. There is a progression. There is an order. And I teach you what that order is. If I love you, I teach it to you. Then you will discover the order. You can teach it to somebody else. But when it gets to the third generation, because they have discovered the order, they think that there is no God or God is not necessary. Or that thing just propels itself. What I'm preaching to us this afternoon is that no, it's not true. It's just one of the ways by which God works. And that is the way by which he works most of the time. My emphasis to you actually, all right? These are all things just to get you to understand. My emphasis to you, a believer, is to let you know that God, we, you know, I preached um, a message then, the process of answers. Can you remember? All right. I said that God's answer often, not all the time, but more often than not, comes in a process. He doesn't just answer, boom, a lot of times. He takes you to a process of answering the prayer. The fact that something doesn't turn around overnight suddenly, it does not mean God did not hear. 
I like the way he said to Daniel, the first, the first day you prayed, answer was sent. It, takes, it took three weeks for danger to get to Daniel. That's a sign for all of us. Sometimes the full manifestation of your answer is taking time. And this is the interesting thing. You watch it progress, and if you're not careful, you may think that it had to happen this way. I don't know what I get what I'm saying. That's why, no, one of the things you must learn is how to really give thanks in everything. Later on, there's a series I told you I'm writing, a series of sermons. I don't know whether I'll teach it here, but at least you definitely get it one way or the other. That there are different kinds of lives. All the experience of your past, the good ones, the very bad ones especially, I need to emphasize that. And the experience you're having now and the ones you have later, all of them are working together to bring out something in you. If I say this, I pray you will understand. If you didn't have those bad experiences, listen to me, you, there's something God wants you to be that you will never be. I'll teach it, I'll explain it later. The beauty about in Christianity is that God brings, listen to this, life out of death. Without that death, that life will never come out. That's one thing about God. That's the beautiful thing about Christianity. Listen, oh God, I'm, I'm, I've left my message. I'm trying to preach today. Let me just please say this. You will see something that is bad, is wrong. You wish it never happened. Unfortunately, if it did not happen, listen to this. There's a degree of grace you will never experience. But this is the problem. If you don't experience that grace, that thing will give you the full manifestation of the evil therein. I don't know what I'm saying. Bad things are bad. They are always bad. They only become as if they are good. After life has been brought out of death and the grace of Christ has been manifested. Are you getting what I'm saying? If I say this, it will make you laugh. If Rahab was not a harlot, she would never have known who Jesus Christ is as a descendant. There were many nice girls who didn't give birth to Jesus Christ. You know, we talk about Mary so much, we forget Rahab. <laughs> there are different kinds of lives that God wants to bring something out of. Now, I'll, I'll get to that thing later. I'll teach it another time. What I want to bring out is that, but when God is walking, it things tend to work so simply. We often forget that it is God that is directing our lives. You know, I'm back to it again. People, you read books. Eh, praise the Lord. That time I was praying that I wanted to get married. And one night I slept. Hallelujah. I began to dream. Amen. And in my dream, I saw as, as it were. The heavens began to open. Half of those stories are lies. It appeared as if uh, an angel appeared. And then that angel, listen. <laughs> Of every 20 men of God, less than one met his wife like that. The other 19 that tell the stories, they are, you know when you get to the pulpit, microphone decreased person. You give him a microphone, his head, your turn. Bam! <laughs> he, he, will, he won't know when he starts saying things that you didn't send him. Don't be confused. Most people meet their wives simply. They went somewhere one day. They were greeting somebody. They said, oh, please meet my friend. And that's the beginning. Let me not go to that. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> the Lord is good. What I'm saying is that we, think, we, tend, sorry, we tend to ascribe 
more spirituality to the dramatic. That's what I'm saying. And that's a mistake. So when you and your wife quarrel, you think that uh, because you did not meet the way Ken Hagen met his wife in a dream and in a vision, it means it's not the will of God. That's why people are quarreling now. I have seen people that went, fasted, and prayed for three days before the Lord finally spoke to them that you married that girl, and the girl still did not marry them. <laughs> are you getting my point? Now, I need to emphasize this. Christians often forget that God does not always do miracles. That's what I'm saying. And like I say all the time, you know, I was watching the other day on TV. In fact, that's when I began to think about this. And I said, I should write this for people to know. The other day I was watching on TV, on National Geographic, other National Geographic or Discovery World. I, no, those are the kind of things I love to watch. They were analyzing the historical, you know, it was geology, you know, both geology and, geology and archaeology and all of that, and history, everything put together. They identified where Sodom and Gomorrah, all right, was, that is, they found the place and the cities around it. And I read one, I downloaded one stuff from the web saying that that place is the most barren place on the earth today. It's barren. Nothing grows. In fact, that's one of the places, all right, one of those areas is where you have the deepest dry spot on the earth. Most, the deepest areas on the earth are ocean. You understand my point? They're under the seas, all right? But this is on dry land. The deepest spot on dry land is there. It's sulfur. Dry sulfur. Nothing grows in there. That's how bad, how desolate it is. Now, listen, listen. You remember, today is God's judgment. This was a place so well watered that Lot was attracted to go there. Can you remember? But when God judged it, as of today, is it dry, not dry water wise alone now, but no life. Even bacteria, they fear to grow there. I think it's somewhere near the Dead Sea. I'm not very sure of where now. But this is the point. That I was watching that program. They began to analyze and they showed. Well, I was persuaded. Some people may not have agreed with some scientists, but I was persuaded. And whoever did those, that program felt that was the right thing. They showed that it was a particular volcano that erupted. You know this volcanic ash that shut down airspace for weeks last year in Europe? Can you remember? Something like that. And this one that happened in Indonesia recently and killed a lot of people, including the priest who was trying to stop the volcano from erupting. And there was one priest there. <laughs> the volcano... He didn't run. The heat and the ash walloped him too because uh, he didn't run. He, that was his job, actually. He was sacrificing to the gods of the mountains. Don't erupt. Don't erupt. Don't erupt. Anyway, let's not go, let's not go into that. Those who don't know, we say they don't mind those barbaric people. You know, there are things I don't say now. Ignorance won't let me... Sorry, I won't join the ignorance of other people. Knowledge won't let me say them. Those things are not jokes. That man was speaking to the volcano, has been speaking to the volcano for a long time. Except that God said, a time will come that the covenant you made with the volcano, I will break it. <laughs> the day of judgment, that's what God does. The day of judgment, I look for all the wahala. You, you think you have control of the volcano. Don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Go and read um, The Gentle Breeze of Jesus by Meltari. In the same um, Indonesia, yes. He said, anytime there's no rain, there's this priest that used to go and sacrifice to the gods. And they will have rain. And that year, it's been dry. He has sacrificed fowl. The gods knocked, they did not, not release rain. He sacrificed them. Um, 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 what's bigger than foul? Turkey. <laughs> nothing happened. He has moved to goats. Nothing happened. So it was now on cow. And every night he would dream. An angel would tell him that. 
or at least you hear a voice in his dream that your the devil has been stealing my ring to give you this year i won't give I'm, I'm holding my ring and you won't get it the guy will wake up and this kind of joke is this he'll go and sacrifice something bigger finally after he was frustrated he now some missionaries you get my point he now told them the story they said ah it is god that sent them that the god that owns the ring this same indonesia go and read the gentle breeze of jesus by Meltari. the story is in there Anyway, let me not digress. Okay? I don't begin to digress. No, when you read too many stories, you tell too many stories. You read too many stories, you tell too many stories. <laughs> let me get back to my main thing. So those kind of things happen. Anyway, so this volcano, let's get back to the matter of volcano. The man, the, the people described how that volcano was situated some distance away from Sodom and Gomorrah and must have spewed its lava. And they described the kind, different kind of things that must have been contained in the crust of that eruption. And how sulfur, they described everything in detail. Let's make a long story short. Scientific and historical archaeological evidence showed that a volcano erupted, released certain balls, you know, balls of fire and sulfur, brimstone, all right, fire and brimstone, that it seemed to rain because it was from afar. It shot into the sky and rained on those cities. And that was how the cities were destroyed. Now, this is the story. The people narrating made it look as if, listen to this, the biblical story was written to accommodate the historical experience. Do you get the point? They felt, because they didn't believe in the Bible, but at least we agree there was Sodom, Gomorrah, and about two or three cities around them. Number two, we agree that in one day, in one day, fire and brimstone rained from heaven, from the skies, and wiped out the cities. We are now explaining that the fire and brimstone came from an erupting volcano and not from the judgment of God. Do you get what I'm saying? When I watched it, I laughed. As I said, to me, you have proved the simplicity of the miraculous. The simplicity of divine intervention. You haven't proved to me that there is no God. You have proved to me that the works of God are clearly shown by the things that are seen. And only evil men denied or refused to give him the glory that's due his name. You are getting the point I'm making? Only men who are evil. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. So, anyway. What I was saying is that because they could explain it, all right, does not mean to me that, me that means God is not there. There was an angel that put a hand on the cone and held it down and told the ones delivering Lot, hurry. I can't hold it down much longer. The time that the Lord desired for judgment has come. So the other, his colleagues there said, move, let's move. When Lot was going too slow, they dragged him. It was not an accident. It was not coincidence. It was divine timing. Do you follow what I'm saying? When God is intervening, it often looks simple. You have prayed prayers. Let me explain this again. Daniel saw an angel after three weeks. Yet the answer was released on day one. Listen to me. There are prayers we have prayed for increase, for blessing. And it has started working. I don't know whether you get what I'm saying. You are waiting that, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Oh, I just tapped into that word and I know that 75 million naira will rain one day. Boom! I said, because of that, you did not give attention to the fact that your 2,000 naira has become 20. Are you getting what I'm saying? And a 20 is going to become 200. And one day that 200 will become 2 million. And then one day the 2 million will become 200 million. You will overtake the 75 million without knowing when you passed it. It will be progressive. It might look simple. So simple that in testifying about it, you might even be confused as to what God did exactly. Do you follow my point? God does not always work miracles. He just wake up. Wah! I say, what happened? I, I was sleeping in the open. Then I found myself in this mansion. Hallelujah. The Lord be worshipped. And when we see that, that's when we say, Oh, brother, come and give your testimony. You're giving the microphone. Hallelujah. Brethren. Hallelujah. I went and slept outside one night. By the time I woke up next day, I don't know how it happened. Isn't the Lord good? <laughs> Was it God? Yes. The problem I have is that you now discourage the rest of us. <laughs> because in our own case, we have to buy block. <laughs> We had to call contractor, give him money for iron rod. <laughs> and it took the guy two years to complete building the house. So it appears like our own is not of God. They didn't give us microphone. <laughs> do you get my point? God does not only do what appears miraculous. And that's why you see, especially in the area of finances, in the scriptures, he hardly did anything. Can't take the words of Jesus Christ for anybody. Works of Jesus, hardly, hardly. Said the poor have the gospel preached to them. He taught them many things. As they walked with him, they became richer. He could bring fish for Peter. All of a sudden, we can be sure that's the only draught of fish Peter will see like that in his life. After that, he has to fish regularly. Are you getting my point? Now, what I mean is this. Will he be catching small fish? No, he will catch big fish. But for the Lord to make him catch big fish consistently, what will have happened is that he will have taught him new fishing techniques. Do you care what I'm saying? Gotten him bigger boats, outboard motors, showed him where to go. Occasionally like that, those ones that he did, fish just came, boom. Say, bro, Peter, this is not something I do all the time. It's just for you to know that you will now be catching men. And Peter left the fish and walked away. No be so. Yes, the miraculous. Sometimes fish rushes in like that. But more often than not, God will still be working with the fisherman. And the fisherman will be making scientific advances. So that once some, he, he, he will talk about how God helped him. People will say, no, it is not God. It is the fact that you learned how to fish better. Forgetting that the wisdom. Do you get my point? That wisdom to make him know how to fish better was how God answered his prayers. God does not always answer prayer with this boom, hurricane, miracle, boom, bam. No, no. Sometimes all he gives is what? A word of, what the Bible calls wisdom. Concerning what to do, a word of wisdom. That's why I read the story of Ezekiah. God set Ezekiah's story up like that so that those who want to doubt him can continue to doubt him. Some will have said, 
miracle cure discovered. Applying ointment made of fig to this kind of, this kind of disease. This is the interesting part. It is possible that that started curing that kind of disease. It's possible. When Ian Fleming discovered the issue of penicillin, people did not give God glory. They just tell the story as if it was a happen, happenstance. It just happened. It just happened. I have read the story. What happened was that God wanted to show mercy to mankind. Yes, that's what that happened. Because there's a time to favor people. God wanted to show mercy to mankind. Mold had been growing for centuries. Centuries. And there are many people that the mold grew, they looked at it and washed it off the petri dish and made another culture. And say, oh, I forgot to cover this thing. Oh, I forgot to put in the oven. Oh, I forgot. And they washed it off. But an angel made the man slow down. Look closer. And he looked. Look closer. And he looked. Then suddenly, because that's how God works, he will focus his eyes. You see that rim around the mold? It's clear of bacteria. They're not growing there. What? Makes another culture, transfers the mold, the same thing. The man says, something is going on here. Listen, that's what God keeps. That's what makes him God. That wisdom. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that's why I taught then about the stages of life. There's a wisdom for salvation. When you have settled down, when you have sat down and counted, remember, I said that life has different phases. There's a stage of sitting down and counting, and the stage of uh, the trial of your faith, and the stage of uh, multiplication, of fruitfulness, and the stage of multiplication and dominion. Now, but what I want to remind, remind us of is, I said, out of, after the first stage, you sit down and count stage, you come out of that stage with what they call wisdom for salvation. You get my point? That is, what is wisdom for salvation? That which you will do, the processes you will follow, that will bring you to the place that God wants you to be. That's where men start denying God because it often makes sense to the person who's doing it. In fact, I preached some time ago that if what you're about to do does not make sense to you, don't do it. It's not faith. It's madness. Let me say it again for those who haven't heard it before. If you're about to take a step of faith and they say, hallelujah, it's just a step of faith. Just take that step of faith. Just take that step of faith. Take it. Take it. You say, hey, hey, does it make sense? Don't do it. You are about to drown. Do you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Those who take steps of faith don't think it is foolish. It is those who are observing them that think it is foolish. The man taking the step of faith does not think it is foolish. If you think your step of faith is foolish, it is foolish. Let me say it again. If what you're about to do looks stupid to you, it's stupid. There's no, there's no, it's not faith. It's madness. Men who really take steps of faith, to them... They don't understand why you don't understand what they are doing. It's everybody else that will gather. That guy don't they mad though. That guy, bless you, don't they Chris. Did you talk to him? I, I, I tried to talk to him, but you know him. You know the way he behaves. That's faith. When other people are thinking you're foolish. But if you think you are foolish, believe me, you are foolish. <laughs> like I use as an illustration, if God, 
God never saw the cross as foolishness. Did he ever see it as foolishness? He saw it as the wisdom of God. It is we men and the devils that saw it as foolishness. We now discover that the foolishness of God is stronger than what we call wisdom. But in the eyes of God, the f- cross was not foolishness. It was his plan before the foundation of the earth. You understand my point? Back to it. So when you come out with wisdom for salvation, to you it must make sense. It may not make sense to everybody, but to you it makes sense. Like I said before, David was not counting, and back to it, the simplicity of divine intervention. David was not banking on a miracle when he faced Goliath. It is you now that think so. You know, David looked at Goliath. He was so sure he could take Goliath. He began to negotiate. Saying, nah, this is not a breakthrough. <laughs> he was so sure he could take Goliath. So sure that he called and said, guys, no, while I was in the field, me and some boys, we gambled. I'm owing money. This is my opportunity to pay off. <laughs> I'm adding my own to you too. I hope you understand. <laughs> He looked and said, how much are they going to give whoever takes that guy out? Nobody who's planning to pray to do something negotiates like that. He said, if I kill him, how much? No, that was it. They said, um, your father won't pay taxes. Uh-huh. You marry the king's daughter. Are you serious? A small boy, he wants to marry the princess. Are you serious? He said yes. He said, oh yeah. Who will tell me to go? Listen. When he sat before Saul and they dressed him with Saul's armor, he tried to get up. You know what he said to Saul? He said, this one will not work. Uh, No, you know, we hear, uh, I'm not used to them. No! The plan I have, this guy is going to complicate it. Remove him from my body. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to say. No, that was it. When he dressed him up, he said no. This won't work. And number two, it won't be necessary. Why do we have breastplate and all of that? Is, not, is it not so that when the man strikes with a sword and the javelin will be protected? Yes. Sir, believe me, he won't even lift that sword. That's what David was saying. I know. Ah. Listen, the man knew why he picked five stones. Now I know what David did. The, the man has seen battle. Normally they shoot from this distance. A man that size, this is where he will shoot from. Okay, so I'm going to aim my stone from a point where his javelin wouldn't reach if he were to throw it. From a point where his javelin wouldn't reach if he were to throw it. The man calculated it. And he checked. Slinging a stone from here, for me, is not a big deal. I brought out fruits that are farther away from, farther away than this, and I did not miss. There was a day I tested myself. I knew I wanted ten fruits in less than twenty-five seconds. I put the clock down. I collected my stones. Foom, foom, foom. I got ten in less than twenty-five seconds. <laughs> I remember a film in, in, in I think um, Jeffrey Archer. Shall we tell the president? Can you remember? Those of you read, read the Jeffrey Archer. I read it then. There was one of the. One of the assassins was practicing. He said, I will take out the tire in less, I'll take out the two front tires in less than three seconds. So the man said, how are you sure you can do that? He said, because the last time I did it in 2.7 seconds. Because they're supposed to shoot 
saw a car driving by. He said, I'm going to take out the two tires in less than three seconds. He said, in less than, he said, yes, I have done it before. That's what I'm telling you. So for David, he had done it before. Listen, there were no surprises for David on that field. He got there, took the stone, selected them well. He knew why he took five. To reduce the odds of missing. <laughs> His rapidity of reloading. Those are the things the guy checked. Now listen to this. But David knew it was God because he said, God taught my hand to war. Do you get my point? The skill to handle the sling, that's what God gave me. The simplicity of divine intervention. The simplicity of divine intervention. Are you getting what I'm saying? So listen, God's work He's working in your life. I don't know what I just feel so strongly about teaching it. It's not just going to be room miraculous. Many people are walking around waiting for when a tap will open. Who put that tap there? We don't know. What is it raining? Dollar and pounds. And they've been waiting for a long time and they've not been able to cooperate with God in the progression that God wants to achieve in their lives. Do you follow what I'm saying? Do you follow what I'm saying? The fact that you understand it doesn't mean it's not God. In fact, most times that's how it works. Like I said on Saturday or two Saturdays ago, that was why when the children of Israel all right, entered into the parted waters, the waters of the Red Sea that parted, Pharaoh too entered because they explained the natural phenomena. Don't forget, go and read your Bible. When the waters parted, you know there was a breeze that parted it. It was a storm, a strong breeze, which they can calculate how it is possible for you to part the Red Sea. And they say, oh, sir, that is when the eastern wind joins the northern wind. It doesn't happen in the last 360,000 years according to our geological and geographical and astronomical studies. It happened last when Venus collided with Mars before they separated 6.5 million years ago. Oh, it's happening again before our eyes. And Pharaoh believed that. And he asked the, the, his uh, astro- astrologers or astronomers, how long is it going to last? They said, you already last like six weeks, sir. So these waters are going to be separate for six weeks. They say, yes, sir. <laughs> After them. <laughs> That's why I've said before, be careful when you are following the blessed man. Who... I was telling my wife some things today. Telling her how God can increase somebody, increase her, discussing. I said, this is how God works. What I mean is that what I've described does not make sense to everybody. You use it, you'll be blessed by it. Somebody else may try to copy it. And won't understand how why your own worked. That is what is called the grace of God. The grace of God doesn't mean things just come looking odd. Say, praise the Lord, we are the only business that open only one day out of seven. Our staff wake up at 9:30 a.m. and go back to bed at 4 p.m. And the one man was. They say, How are you people? He said, Ha, ah, hallelujah. He didn't put hallelujah, I'm the one adding hallelujah now. But <laughs> what he said was that uh, no. We operate in a realm and a dimension that people can't understand. You think that was how Joseph went before Pharaoh? <laughs> I'm a son of a covenant. There are certain dimensions we operate that men like you can't understand. They will send the nigger back to jail. 
Or you think Daniel used to go to work? Bring the account books, hallelujah. Join your hands. Oh, accounts begin to balance. We call upon you, spirit of accounting. (laughs) Spiritual wisdom doesn't mean you talk like a goat. The wisdom of God makes people marvel. I don't know where I get my point. That is, you will bring light for them. They will say, eh? Are you serious? They will be surprised. Pharaoh will see it and say, how come we never thought about that? Do you understand my point? Pharaoh will see it and be wondering, what? You mean we didn't think about this? That's what God wants to do. You know, Christians think that we just come, hallelujah, they say, how did you walk today? Say, well, I saw they were hold up on the road. I just came out, spoke to my legs, hallelujah. And then I began to float. So it's where I walked over. You can never be a governor like that. You can't decongest a road. You walk over it. Who will make you a governor? No, Chris, and we think we are being spiritual. That's what, that's what pains me. We think we are being spiritual. We don't plan. We don't have sense. We just say, hallelujah. We think God only does miraculous things. Listen, he does miraculous things not often. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Even though it doesn't look miraculous, he's still with you. He's still walking. That's what I'm explaining. He's still walking. He's still walking. I was talking with my wife today that Jesus used to... When Jesus... In fact, she said this at prayer point for today, that God, I want to tap into that kind of wisdom. They will come to Jesus. This coin... He said, should we pay taxes? In fact, what I had the discussion, and my wife asked me that... These tax collectors must have been really evil people those days. And I explained to her that there are two problems. That the evil appearance of their nature was not really because they were bad people specifically, first, of, for, for, first and foremost, but because they were seen as traitors. Do you understand? Because the Romans were occupying um, Israel. You understand? Judah. So if you cooperated with the Romans to collect taxes from your brethren, you were a traitor. That was the first thing. So I now said that, listen, when I, she and I were not talking, we talked extensively. We now brought up the issue of how Jesus answered them. And that that was why, what they wanted to catch Jesus with. He was supposed to answer, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Do you understand my point? And he had a choice of two. Either yes, pay, or no, don't pay. Both of which you are in trouble. If you say pay, he's a traitor. He's not supporting the deliverance of Israel. He wants Israel to be under alone when God said they should be above. If he said, don't pay, they go to the Roman centurion. There's one rebel there. He's a zealot. He wants to scatter the rule, the rule of, uh, of Caesar. They put him on the spot. This is the point I'm making. He looked at it and answered them simply, get me a coin. You know the rest of the story. Whose likeness and whose inscription at this, they say Caesar's. You are using Caesar's monetary system. You should pay some <laughs> royalty to Caesar. That is, am I saying <laughs> you, I mean, you should be subservient to Caesar? No. You by yourself chose Caesar's economic system. Why don't you want to pay taxes? It made sense. Do you understand my point? To them. But we Christians want to say, oh, I walk in a realm that you don't understand. That question has a deeper revelation behind it than you can conceive. See me in church tomorrow. (laughs) Because you don't have an answer.
there's the superiority of wisdom. That's what we demonstrate. And in it, things can appear simple and straightforward. It doesn't mean God is not there. In fact, that is how God works. That's what I'm explaining. That's how God works. But he makes sure that, listen, David, when he was going to sling the stone, he didn't suddenly get a twitch. You know that kind of thing. He made sure that, what do you call him? Goliath was foolish and waited. He made sure that Goliath laughed. You know, if Goliath had said, if God wanted to defend Goliath, he would have said that, no, that's how God works. His spirit went down into Goliath. He said, wait, wait. By the time this boy is coming like this, you should not say something, deal. You know that simple wisdom? <laughs> like Yoruba may have, he said, it's like a dog that used to see you and wag his tail. The day he sees you and starts barking, <laughs> you're supposed to say. <laughs> you know my point? There are things like that. And when you see goats, begin pursuing man. You know that kind of thing. Say, no, this goat has a spirit. Seven sons of Skiva cannot handle this one. <laughs> this is a little wisdom that Goliath could have gotten. But God denied him that wisdom. That's what I'm saying. That's what God does. You have a business plan. God will make sure your clients believe you. Do you follow what I'm saying? You can't force them to believe. God will make sure. That's, why he, that's where he works. In fact, the wisdom he gives you, all right, is just your own part in what he wants to do. Do you hear what I said? The wisdom God gives you is your own part to accomplish in that which he wants to do. You get my point? I think I've spoken enough. You have gotten my point. 